Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Prime Minister has plans to visit Atlantic Canada sometime this week. Later in the week, though, to uh, get a first-hand look at the damage that's been left by uh, Fiona, the storm that, uh, as you know, I mean, just caused so much devastation. Roads are gone. Homes are gone. Homes washed out to sea. Um, at least two deaths being reported right now. Um, it's just it's it, it, a devastating situation. And, um, you know, now we've got Canadian military being dispatched. Power still out in many, many areas. I mean, the full impact of this storm uh, is still being assessed and likely will be for months and months. But from what we know, uh, it is among the most severe storms to ever hit our country. So let's get some details on what's happening in this situation. We're going to chat with Gordon McBain now, who is a professor at the Department of Geography and Environment at Western University. Um, Dr. McBain, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you for following up on this terrible event it really is uh it it's it's hard to wrap your head around the the level of destruction that's been done here first of all what causes a storm to be as intense as this and do we know yet if it is the most or among the most intense ever to hit in canada well these kind of hurricanes of these types uh, they develop in rather complex ways but the main factors that influence them is the amount of energy they gain from evaporating the water from beneath them and the tracks they follow over the oceans to get this extra energy. And as you have a warmer ocean, the amount of evaporation that takes place puts more liquid water up into the cloud, which then condenses. And in doing that process, it gives off more energy, which creates an even stronger circulation around and the winds associated with them. So uh, I'm not sure yet whether we'll know whether Fiona is the strongest ever, but it certainly is a very horrific one. Uh, and the projections are, as the climate warms, we'll see more of these very intense mm-hmm. hurricanes in, let's say, our latitudes of the world. Well, that's the thing. You take a look at this situation, and we had Fiona. Right now, uh, you've got Hurricane Ian, which is barreling uh, towards Florida. Florida used to hurricanes, but... Uh, um, is it what in terms of hurricane seasons, hurricane frequencies? What are we seeing this year? Because it's been fairly quiet up until now, hasn't it? Yes, it's been, and it, the but we're expecting, and as the climate is warming, the there's factors that actually would reduce the frequency of numbers of hurricanes. Okay, uh, that because you another factor in addition to the energy coming out of the ocean uh, is the difference in the temperatures between the more or less subtropical regions near the equator up to the higher latitude regions. And uh, since Canada is warming about twice as fast as the global average, and as we go to higher Canadian latitudes in the north, it's up to three times or more faster than the global average. So the result of that is that the temperature difference between the uh, where 
hurricane starts and where it hits Canada is actually reduced somewhat, which affects the way in which the dynamics of these storms work. So the projections that I've seen uh, based on reliable scientists who put these things out is that that we probably won't have many more hurricanes, but of those that do occur, more of them will be in categories four and five uh, because of the extra warming from the oceans below the hurricanes. And the other thing that will add even more as we're moving further on with climate change is that the sea level will rise. Mm -hmm. And as the sea level rises, then the coastal communities like those in Newfoundland and around Prince Edward Island and other parts of Atlantic Canada in particular are even more exposed to this because if you get a wind blowing in and the, the, the sea level is now higher than it was before, the probability of big waves coming charging in and creating uh, very strong uh, damages to coastal communities is unfortunately getting worse. It makes sense. Uh, just for my for my own clarity here, is there also a, a, a risk here to more of these storms being more powerful in our latitude? Like once they get up to Canada, because as you say, it's warming faster in Canada, so the conditions for more powerful hurricanes will be more common in Canada, whereas they weren't five, ten years ago. Yes, and it, it's not a huge change over the last sure. five, ten years, but as we go through and. Even though, you know, we hopefully countries, including Canada, will put effectively in their emission reduction targets they're talking about, is the reality is that the way the climate system works, it's uh, reducing the emissions gives us benefits, but the benefits are decades away. So we have to, what we call adapt. We mm -hmm. need to take actions to for coastal communities to reduce their exposure and of those things that are exposed at all to have their, make them more structurally strong, less vulnerable, so that, uh, you know, we don't have people living in a nice little house right on the coast so you can see the ocean. Well, that ocean's going to be coming at you, so you don't want to be sitting right on the coast. We need to have look at the, you know, in some cases, the necessities of withdrawal from the region. Uh, in other cases, making places higher, as I've seen in pictures, I haven't been to some of these communities, but in Atlantic uh, parts of the United States, they have houses built right along the coast, but they're basically on, on, stilts. on steel stilts. And so they're lifted up enough, and I can personally question whether that really makes any sense, but nonetheless, they do it, and that makes them less likely to be wiped out by the waves coming in and the sea level rise. But we need to take these actions and really think it through, and there is... You know, there's a lot of information available. I'm also with the Institute for Catastrophic Loss Reduction, which has puts out, uh, we well, have done studies and, and looked at how various, uh, um, let's say, hurricane-resilient homes can be built. And these are all on our website, and you can, uh, homeowners can download a, 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 you know, whether it's, and you really need to look at these things together. So you, right. you know, you, you, you want to not just look at, uh, hurricanes, but you want to look at uh, the issues of uh, severe weather events, and you're in the Calgary area, so you know what about the more tornadoes and and uh, thunderstorms and hailstorms? And well, uh, you know, quite frankly, I'm working on a project on hail suppression in uh, in Calgary area right now, uh, and uh, this is part of the things we need to bring them together in various factors because. 
as we get into these ex- really intense events, the risks are generally speaking going to be higher in a warmer climate because there's just more energy available. The, some of the energy available goes up, as we call exponentially, with temperature. So a small temperature change leads to a much more energetic kind of situation. But they're also very complex systems. Uh, And exactly how they're going to change is even more complex than our political structures. (laughs) And you make an excellent point in terms of some of the things that are being done won't actually bear fruit for many, many years. And in the meantime, there are things that we need to be focused on and paying attention to to try and mitigate the damage that that we've all seen done over the past couple of years in Alberta and in the New York Times and all all over North America. Well, that's right. I mean, you're very correct there. And and having people like you talk about it hopefully will convey to people because although the numbers in Canada aren't as bad as they are in the United States, the number of people who are not at all convinced climate change is really happening, in particularly in rural areas of the United States, and quite frankly, more rural areas feel that way than urban areas do in Canada, although the numbers are generally more more understanding but you know the science is there and it's very strong and we need to communicate that to people so that they you know this is not some kind of uh, gimmick that somebody's mm-hmm. trying to force upon them yeah uh, great insight um professor mcbain thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate your time